98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Tycoon Jimmy Lai and six staff face a sedition charge in addition to their national security case. An NGO suspends formal staff at a children's home at the centre of abuse allegations. And a leading microbiologist says it's time to set a roadmap to the reopening of Hong Kong's borders. Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai, six staff and three companies linked to his now-defunct newspaper are to face new charges under the sedition law. Jimmy Choi reports. West Kowloon courts allow prosecutors to press a new charge of conspiracy to publish seditious publications against Mr Lai, six former staff and three businesses. The ten defendants are accused of publishing and distributing seditious publications with the intention of bringing hatred or contempt or to excite disaffection against the central and SAL governments as well as the judiciary. The ten, including Next Digital's former CEO Chen Kim Hong, the paper's former editor-in-chief Ryan Law, executives Chen Pui Man and Lan Man Chen, along with writers Yuan Cheng Ki and Feng Wai Kong, had earlier been charged with conspiracy to collude with foreign forces under the national security law. The court adjourned the case against three companies to February the 10th. The seven remaining defendants returned to court on February the 24th. The child welfare organisation that runs a foster home at the centre of abuse allegations says it has suspended four more staff who are suspected of misconduct. The Society for the Protection of Children said a review of CCTV footage found that the four may have used corporal punishment. The Society's director, Susan So, says police have been notified and the Society is expanding a task force that's set up to look into the matter. So at this stage, uh, a lot of things we still need to be investigated. So that's why we formed a special task force and we are going to step that up to involve uh, board members and outsider independent members. She says they are reviewing footage of almost 900 security cameras and a childcare supervisor will do regular and surprise checks at the home. Two staff were earlier charged over the abuse claims. Prominent microbiologist Yun Kwai-kyung has outlined a timetable for Hong Kong to reopen its borders, but says more vaccinations are needed. Here's Wendy Wong. Speaking on a radio program, Yun Kwok-yong said Hong Kong's current zero-COVID policy is unsustainable. He urged the government to announce the vaccine passport policy now and tell people to get double-jabbed by March or face being banned from going to work or school. He believed the measure could boost the vaccine tick-up and Hong Kong could gradually resume international travel when its vaccination rate exceeds 90%. By summer next year, he said, the SAR could fully reopen to the world if almost all people have been triple jabbed. He admitted that it's inevitable that the virus would spread among unvaccinated people after the resumption of international travel, leading to hundreds of deaths as seen in Singapore. But he said it's a phase that a city must go through, adding that he believed hospitals would be able to cope with the wave of infections. He expressed hope that with such a plan, the city could return to normal by the end of next year. The government says crew members from cargo flights will have to quarantine for three days in a hotel after they arrive in Hong Kong. It follows news that three quarantine-exempt Cathay Pacific cargo crew who returned from the US tested positive for COVID-19. Two of them had been out to shop or dine. Dr Edwin Choi is a controller of the Centre for Health Protection. We have the bonds between the risk of the infectious disease outbreaks and also the, um, the, operate, the cargo operation. So at present, we try our best to work with the airlines and also the um, transport and um, housing bureau. And uh, we implement these measures of the three-day quarantine in the hotel, trying to intercept the case once they arrive Hong Kong, so in the first three days. 
The centre reported six new COVID-19 cases today, five of which involved mutant strains. And the government has imposed overnight lockdowns on residential blocks in Discovery Bay and Tinman after the two flight crew members who lived there tested positive for COVID-19. Residents of Twilight Court and Peninsula Village and Tower 1 of the Seacrest must stay home and take a test. Officials say they aim to finish the operations at around 6 or 7 in the morning. The weather, cloudy and cool this, uh, in the morning and at night. Minimum temperature tomorrow morning about 15 degrees in the urban areas, a couple of degrees cooler in the new territories. It'll be mainly fine and dry during the day with temperatures getting up to around 20 degrees. There'll be moderate northeasterly winds. The outlook is going to remain cool in the mornings and at night and mainly fine during the day for the rest of this week. The temperature just now is 17 degrees, humidity 71%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past eleven. The District Court has found nine people guilty of rioting near the Polytechnic University in November 2019. They've been remanded in custody for sentencing on January the 15th. Damon Pang reports. The nine defendants, aged between 20 and 29, denied taking part in a riot as protesters attempted to reach others surrounded by police on PolyU's campus. Judge Josiah Lamb said moments before their arrest outside Dow Sesson Girls' School, protesters had thrown Molotov cocktails towards a police cordon on Gascoigne Road. The judge said the defendants had deliberately geared themselves up for a riot. They had ignored police warnings and stayed at the scene, he said, thereby encouraging others to engage in violence. Two of the defendants were also found guilty of possessing offensive weapons or items fit for unlawful purposes, namely a pair of scissors, spanners and a can of lighter fuel. The Federation of Trade Unions has called for tougher penalties to prevent serious industrial accidents. The body said fines imposed on construction companies are just a slap on the wrist, adding that fatal accidents continue to occur. The FTU's lawmaker-elect, Dennis Leung, said after meeting the Commissioner for Labour, along with fellow party members, that he hoped the government would keep its promise and bring in reforms before the end of the current administration. In the coming six months, uh, the government needs uh, to uh, pass the law, so I think that uh, we have enough time for all the electoral members to discuss this, this matter, and uh, we have a, a broader uh, opinion in the future. So I think that uh, no matter the employer or the government or the local member, we will uh, have a uh, compromise in the future. And uh, I really hope that uh, the amendment will, will be passed right, uh, before the end of this uh, government's term. Beijing has accused the United States of putting astronauts in danger by ignoring obligations under treaties on outer space. The Foreign Ministry statement came several weeks after the country complained to the UN that its space station twice had to take action to avoid collisions with satellites launched by the American company SpaceX. A Foreign Ministry spokesman, Jai Lijian, urged Washington to act responsibly. The United States should respect the international system for outer space based on international law and take immediate measures to prevent such incidents from happening again. They should adopt a responsible attitude to protect the lives and safety of astronauts in orbit and to ensure the safety and stability of operations for facilities in outer space. Overseas, Russia's Supreme Court has banned one of the country's oldest and most respected rights organizations, Memorial, accusing it of violating a law requiring groups to register as foreign agents.
Prosecutors also said it was creating a false image of the Soviet Union as a terrorist state, whitewashing and rehabilitating Nazi criminals. Memorial was set up to protect the memories of the victims of Stalin's purges, but it has recently spoken out against the repression of critics under President Putin. Pavel Andreev from Memorial said that the lawsuit was politically motivated. Unfortunately, today the prosecutors claimed that Memorial criticized the USSR and that's why we should ban for it. Unfortunately, Kremlin see themselves not the continuation of the whole country for hundreds of years, but they see themselves like the continuance of the worst time of the USSR period. Declassified state papers in the Irish Republic from the early stages of the Northern Ireland peace process have revealed that the former British Prime Minister John Major admitted privately that he did not believe the IRA could be beaten militarily. The details are revealed in a record of a conversation between him and the then Irish Taoiseach or Prime Minister Albert Reynolds. The BBC's Chris Page reports. The meeting at Downing Street in 1992 happened as political parties in Belfast were holding talks. The then Taoiseach Albert Reynolds was making the case that the IRA's political wing, Sinn Féin, should be brought into future negotiations. Mr Reynolds asked his British counterpart if he believed the IRA could be defeated. John Major replied, militarily that would be very difficult. The exchange shows the growing sense in London and Dublin that the only way the conflict in Northern Ireland would be ended was through a negotiated settlement involving paramilitaries. That eventually happened with the Good Friday Agreement six years later. The US health authorities have halved the recommended isolation period for people who test positive for COVID-19 but don't exhibit symptoms as they seek to balance disease prevention and keeping the economy open. The Centers for Disease Control now says that asymptomatic people should stay home for five days and wear a mask around others for a further five. Dr Peter Chen Hong is an infectious disease specialist at the University of California in San Francisco. In an infectious disease paradigm, we think that asymptomatic people in general transmit less than symptomatic folks. So that's why the thinking is if you're asymptomatic, you're probably, uh, you know, good to go to work after five days. In fact, if you look at South Africa right now, if you're asymptomatic, you don't even have to isolate at all as long as you wear that mask for 10 days. A lone gunman has killed four people in the American cities of Denver and neighbouring Lakewood in a two-hour shooting spree spread across several locations. Police say they exchanged fire with a man in Lakewood who was then shot dead. At least three people were wounded, including a police officer. This shopper, Ann Wilson, explained what she saw. We were just inside the store and heard like one gunshot and then like a whole array and it sounded like they hit the side of the building. Um, and then obviously a bunch of cop cars and they came out and swooped us into the back. There was probably maybe like seven or eight gunshots and then like another set of maybe five more. There's a body laying on the ground over there, so that's obviously not okay, but I'm glad all the people who weren't shooting at each other are okay. It's scary that this is what goes on nowadays. It's not an uncommon event for there to be public shootings. It's sad. It's scary. British medical researchers have warned that teenagers whose parents smoke are four times as likely to take up the habit compared with those who live in smoke-free households. The research is part of a government campaign to encourage people to quit to benefit themselves and their children. Here's the BBC's Tim Muffet. Despite the known links between smoking and poor health, data from the Office for National Statistics shows that one in eight adults in England still smoke. 
The pandemic hasn't helped, with high rates of quitting, but also high levels of relapse and signs of a rise in smoking among younger adults. New analysis by researchers at Imperial College London shows that teenagers whose parents or caregivers smoke are four times as likely to have taken up the habit. Sport Now and Australia have retained the Ashes in style. The home team needed just over an hour to win the third test by an innings and 14 runs against hapless England, taking an unassailable 3-0 lead in their test series. Australia captain Pat Cummins called it a fantastic result. Yeah, it's just it's, it's what you know dreams are made of, uh, the way we've played. Um, and I think outside of the actual results, there's so many other positives as well. We've been able to have a couple of debutantes, really build a squad of, you know, strong, uh, you know, 15 odd players. It doesn't just feel like a, a three nil victory. It feels like we're really setting ourselves up for the next few years as well. England captain Joe Root says everyone on his team were gutted. You know, that's not a good enough performance. We all know that. Um, we need to put some pride back into the badge and, um, and, and make sure we come away from this tour with, with, with something, you know, that's, it's as simple as that. And uh, we knew that, Going into today, we were more than capable of getting ourselves to a score with the players that were to come in and at the crease. Um, and it's bitterly disappointing that we, we didn't manage to do that. In the NFL, what a turnaround it's been for the Miami Dolphins. The Finns have become the first team in NFL history to win seven consecutive games after losing seven in a row. Against the New Orleans Saints this morning, the defence did their job, and on offence, rookie sensation Jalen Waddell caught 10 passes for 92 yards, including a touchdown, as Miami won 20-3. They're in contention for one of the final playoff spots. Finally, the mummified body of an ancient Egyptian pharaoh has been unwrapped for the first time in over 3,000 years. Not physically, but digitally, using computerised tomography or CT scans. From Cairo, here's the BBC's Sally Nabil. Since it was discovered in the late 19th century, the mummy of King Amenhotep I has never been unwrapped. It was too well preserved and too beautiful for any archaeologist to touch. The digital unwrapping of the mummy has spared it any potential damage and revealed a lot about the king who ruled Egypt more than 3,000 years ago. Experts found that the late monarch was in good shape with very healthy teeth. The sophisticated CT scans and 3D reconstruction of the body showed that King Amenhotep was nearly 35 years old when he died. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Tycoon Jimmy Lai and six staff face a sedition charge in addition to their national security case. An NGO suspends former staff at a children's home at the centre of abuse allegations. And a leading microbiologist says it's time to set a roadmap for the reopening of Hong Kong's borders. The news from RTHK.
Great soul track from the Jones Girls. First time I ever heard it, I was actually working in Egypt in a place called uh, Sinbad in the Sinesto Hotel in uh, Heliopolis. 84, in fact, it was the year before I came in. Kind of a bit fascinating place. I used to go horse riding two or three times a week at uh, the pyramids. I used to take out a grey mare called Aida. We used to go out into the desert and gallop back along the canal. It's fantastic. How you doing? Tuesday night, Peter King with you, of course, through till 1am as we turn to the 70s and Lobo next. I 